0: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl goes to Paleyfest,
1: and we discuss for the girl who has everything. This This is
0: Supergirl Supergirl Radio.
1: Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series, and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino.
0: My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled, For the Girl Who Has Everything. But before we get to our discussion, we have
1: the news. The cast and creators of CBS's Supergirl will be attending PaleyFest on March 13th at 7 p.m. at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, if you'd like to get tickets and see them in person, head over to PaleyFest.org or to Ticketmaster.com. And yeah, I I hope to get tickets for that. I haven't been able to uh, to get tickets yet, but I will. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to, uh, to snag a couple of seats and... Uh, Maybe report back on the goings on.
0: That would be great. Um, I will not be able to attend in person, but I, if I remember correctly from past PaleyFest, I believe they might stream it. Yeah, as they well? usually do,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or they'll have like it available on video to watch afterwards. Like, there's always a way to see the presentations online after the fact. So, and I'm sure you know Supergirl Radio will provide you all with links and. Yes. And stuff uh, so that you can catch that as well. But yeah, for those of you in L.A. Uh, or who will be in L.A. on March 13th, uh, it's a little extra special Supergirl goodness for you. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We're light on news this week. So we'll just hop right into our discussion of this, you know, very interesting episode uh, of season one titled For the Girl Who Has Everything. Uh, here is the official description uh, from CBS. Quote, Kara's friends must find a way to save her life when a parasitic alien attaches itself to her and traps her in a dream world where her family is still alive and her home planet was never destroyed. Also, Alex, Hank, and the D.E.O. must fend off a Kryptonian attack while Kara is out of commission. End quote. And yeah, as we mentioned, I think, last week, uh, this is based on the uh, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, uh, Superman story for the man who has everything, where Superman's superhero friends come over for his birthday and (laughs) find him in the thrall of a Black Mercy. Which
0: which I discovered when I went back to actually read the comic. I'd seen the JLU episode many, many times, but when I actually mm -hmm. sat down to read the comic, I was like, oh, Robin is here. Like yeah. <laughs> in in the jail you episode, it's Batman and Wonder Woman coming over to celebrate Superman's birthday. But in the comic, Robin is hanging out with him. So it was just really funny to see those differences between those yeah. uh, that adaptation of the comic versus the Supergirl adaptation of the comic. And I love that they that they gave Supergirl
1: this story because um, for all that you know, Supergirl has had her own you know comic title and and has been in a bunch of stories and all sorts of media. I feel like there are certain kind of, like, Superman, I guess, milestones and linchpins that that she hasn't had yet. Um, And I feel like this is, like, a great – they took a great opportunity here to kind of give her this one. Um, I wonder if they will, you know, translate other Superman stories through, like, a feminist lens or a feminine lens, I should say, um, and tell those stories from the point of view of this character.
0: And, well, and I think it acts. This story actually works better for Supergirl than it does Superman. Even though I like what the Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, even the JLU episode does for Superman, where it gives him an i, it gives him an opportunity to experience Krypton and what life would have been like. I right. think for Supergirl, having come from Krypton, having miss, you know. Being at a point where she misses it and wishes she could go back and her knowing what Krypton was like, what the culture was like, even recognizing her mother's clothing and the things that she made for her father, like those kinds of things, I think, hold much more significance and uh, have a, a, a... Wider sentimentality that I think works for the the story that we were given on the episode, and and it it makes for a, a big character thing for Supergirl, and I think it's just a stronger story when it's related to Supergirl because she does have that past on Krypton.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and it and it was really powerful because she is able to, you know, the the uh, Black Mercy kind of is able to tell what your heart's desire is and her heart's desire is kind of filled with more detail than superman's would be because she knew it um and because it was a a more difficult break for her so yeah i guess the uh the plant has more to feed off of in in supergirl's case as well and yeah it's a more poignant story uh you're a big krypton fan and kryptonian (laughs) fan so what did you think about uh the way krypton was presented in this episode
0: well, my first reaction was, and I think I tweeted it, I was like, Kelex! Like, I got really excited <laughs> about that. Now, now in Man of Steel, they pronounce it Kelex. In this version of Krypton and on Supergirl, I think they pronounced it Kelex. So it might be a little different. And I sort of prefer Kelex because I think it sounds cooler. But I was also like, and this is like my nerd brain being like debating the pronunciation, the pronunciation of this, of this r- minor thing. this r- minor Kryptonian robot. But I was like, well, Kel sort of sounds like Cal, so it sort of makes sense that, like, if it's Cal L, that it could be Kel, uh, Kel X. Like that sort of makes sense. But I just was glad to immediately, like, when Kara wakes up, that's what she sees first is this Kryptonian robot that is always associated with the House of L. So I thought that was a really nice touch. And it was just a, a refreshing thing to see. And it, it really puts you in Krypton where or, or it did me. I don't want to speak for you or anybody else listening to this, but it put me in the world of Krypton immediately. And um, so that made me very excited. And it took me a little while to adjust to the difference between this adaptation and what I was used to with, for the man who has everything because in the comic and also in the JLU episode, when the when the Black Mercy attacks Superman, he when he's in that dream world, he doesn't know it's a dream world at first. He just thinks it's everyday life. He wakes up and that's just it's sort of like the Truman show. Like he's just that's his everyday, that's how right. he operates, this is his family, this is what he's always known. And over time in the story, as Batman and Wonder Woman and even Robin in the comic, like, when they're trying to get him out of it, it sort of starts to make sense to him that this is not right. Something about this isn't right. And the difference here on Supergirl is that when she wakes up, she immediately knows that this dream world is not real. This isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. She She knows that this something is wrong. And the it's actually the reverse, that over time, she starts to lose her memories of Earth, and it becomes her normal, it becomes what she thinks is real. And I feel like I've been, actually, I know I've been referencing Peter Pan a lot on the podcast lately, <laughs> yeah. but it sort of also made me think of Peter Pan, because if I am recalling things from several different adaptations of that story, is that... Over time, when you're on Neverland, you start to forget about you your forget. parents.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So
0: it sort of reminded me of Neverland. And that sort of made sense to me, um, even though it took me a while to adjust to that. Alora even sort of explains it. She says, all nightmares end the longer we are awake. And I started to yeah. think about that. Because, you know, when you have a dream, it seems really vivid and real in the dream. And then when you wake up, sometimes like within seconds or minutes you forget what you yeah. talked about
1: you know that there was something but you're not quite sure what it was and right. then you're like
0: yeah whatever but that sort of made sense to me the the longer the episode went on I started to kind of readjust and I think that actually even though it was different from what I had been used to with the story it made a lot of sense as to this specific story and what they were trying to tell emotionally with the Alex part of it yeah um, and, yeah. and <laughs> Alex was actually something else I had to adjust to. And I I guess the bottom line is that overall what they did with this adaptation, even though there was no like equivalent to Van L um, right. for Kara, she had nobody in the dream world that she felt like she was being pulled apart from. Right. It was almost like the reverse with Alex is that she was being pulled towards Alex. And yeah. so... Even though it was different, I thought that that actually really worked for what they were trying to do on Supergirl, and so I liked that a lot.
1: I loved the fact that she was gradually losing her memory. I think that was kind of a more a more terrifying choice um to 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 see her to see Earth slipping away from her rather than her regaining earth um, was kind of i mean, and th- and this is just you know personal for me because like Not to get too much into it, but I have a lot of uh, Alzheimer's in my family um, and a lot of, uh, you know, so memory for me and like losing one's memory specifically is a terrifying prospect. And so to watch that happen to Kara where all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I have to get back to like what's that planet called again? And and, like just it's starting with a word and then entire concepts and then, you know, whole – Swaps of her life, you know, it's, it, it was kind of terrifying to watch and, and um, it kind of made it more urgent for me uh, because she was losing something that we knew she had to get back to. Um, but I also love the fact that her vision of Krypton included not only her parents, which obviously she would feel a strong connection to, but also Kal-El. Um, and I think on some level, she, uh, it was cool that they kind of included him in this because, her entire purpose for going to Earth was to protect him. Right. And she kind of missed out on this child that she was supposed to essentially raise. So, like, that, I think, to me, was the the Van um tie-in there, too, is that she got to essentially have the kid that she was supposed to be looking out for again, um, well, as opposed I, to waking up and having him be Superman.
0: Well, and what I really liked in terms of dialogue there was when... Alex is sort of threatening her dream world and they're all kind of really scared of her. Cara sort of grabs Cal's hand. She says, you're safe, Cal. I'm here. And I Mm -hmm. thought, wow, that is great because Cara, like you said, her purpose was to protect him, was to Mm -hmm. be the, the person who looked after her baby cousin and she never really got a chance to do that because he was, yeah. he was grown by the time she got to Earth. So I thought I liked that little dialogue because, or or those two lines, I guess they are, that she yeah. she got to protect him literally, totally. And yeah, it's kind of interesting to think
1: about because um, throughout this this season. Car has pretty much been trying to find her purpose because her original purpose was thwarted like it it you know she came she came to earth with one purpose in mind didn't get to do that now she has to figure out what her 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 new purpose is through this heroism business and so to be able to watch her reconnect with her original purpose was kind of even though she didn't know that that's what was happening um was really cool to see Obviously, there's, you know, kind of two halves to this episode. There's the the stuff on, you know, fake Krypton, as I've been calling it, <laughs> or um, there's the stuff at the DEO, because obviously with Supergirl out of commission, they have to deal with a lot more stuff. And <laughs> in addition to dealing with Kryptonians uh, who are trying to wreak havoc, they also have to deal with keeping Kara's life together while she's out of commission and protecting that you know, oasis that she has for her, you know, humanity and her, you know, the place where she can have a a normal life and preserving that for her. (laughs) What did you think about that side of the story?
0: Yeah, they had a lot going on. In addition to a possible Kryptonian invasion where there's some sort of situation with this Myriad thing that nobody knows what it is. Yeah. uh, Some sort of solar uh, thing that's messing up all the satellites. And then you have the Catco stuff. And then you have Maxwell Lord who is still kind of a threat to them. And so yeah, I I did think they had a lot on their plate and I was pleasantly surprised to see that they for the most part were able to keep it together. <laughs> and I think it it took all of them to do it, I think. You know, and I think the show did a good job of utilizing all of those characters. You know, Alex was a huge part of this episode, but john played his part james had a part to play Wen had a little bit of a part to play so i was glad that all of you know cara's family was a big theme in this episode and it was nice to see that all of her family got to help her in this situation and they all were used in a way that made sense for their characters
1: it's funny cuz I have mixed feelings about that. Um about the like seeing them side by side like Kara's Earth family versus Kara's Kryptonian family. Um obviously Alex, you know, was a huge part of this episode and I and I loved her in this episode. I loved the fact that when talking to Alora's hologram, she was like insisting on finding information and was like, "No, I've always protected her," you know? Like, "I this is my job. I have to do this and you're going to help me." Um I mean, that scene broke my heart. Um Jean seems to be making a career out of pretending to be Kara, which I think is like, (laughs) oh my god, you need to like they need to figure out another way around this, you know? Like, they can't just keep going to him every two minutes every time car is in a
0: jam. Okay, can, um, can I talk about something really briefly about yeah. that part of it? Because um, I have been very well spoken about this whole deception business. But here's what I don't get about that in terms of the DEO preserving her, quote, normal life, mm-hmm. is that they keep treating her job at CatCo like if she loses it, it is the end of the world. Right, And I don't fully understand or buy that at all because Kara, I think, believes that her normal life is going to work with her friends and goofing around with her friends at work and that's that's what normal life is. Well, right. to me, when I watch that, I'm like, a lot of my best friends don't work at the same place I work at. Right. We don't all work for the same company. Right. Um, A lot of my best friends don't even live in the same city I do or the same state. You know, some people probably have friends who live in other countries. Yeah. I'm like, this (laughs) is the normal cara. If you want to have a normal life, maybe go to a job where you have to go meet your friends for lunch at some restaurant because you can't just go to the break room. Like that's normal. So yeah. part of me, like, rejects that idea that they've got to preserve her CatCo job because that's her normal life. Because well, I'm I think, just like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: Well, no. I, and I think it's less about that because obviously she could work anywhere. It's not like she can't, like, well, maybe not in this economy. But, she, you know, it's not <laughs> like she can't just find another job, you know. But I think because it's important to her, it's important to them. And she loves being there. She enjoys working at CatCo, given the choice she wouldn't want to be someplace else. So I think they are protecting this specific job because it matters to Kara. And they wouldn't want her to wake up and suddenly be like, guess what? You're unemployed. Like, Well, that's
0: true. Yeah, you know. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> But I had mixed feelings about how this episode was kind of written and structured in that I felt like the CatCo scenes, while... I get what they were trying to do in that they wanted uh, Hank to have a reason to trust James and Winmore, more. And so in order to do that, they have to have him pretend to be Kara so that he can see how Wynne and James function for her at work and see right. their relationship so that he could trust them and let them come to the DEO. And I, I get that, but, like, I feel like every time they went back to CatCo, it, like, sucked the air out of the story. I would um, actually agree with that. And, like... So rather than doing that, I kind of wish they would have spent more time on Krypton and kind of had it be a slower progression. It, uh, watching, you know, Kara kind of deteriorate, and then on the other side of things, watching the team kind of flounder without her, or or you know, like it. I feel like those sides of the story deserve more attention. That this third thing of of like Cat still being pissed over her son, like. Uh, And I get that she's upset that he's gone, but I also feel like she understands there's email and telephones, you know, like like him leaving town is not (laughs) the end of your relationship now that you've rekindled it. So I don't buy that she would be that upset over, you know, but she was like, you know, screaming. And then, of course, you know, Jean pretending to be Kara and being all gruff and, you know, stern didn't help. But I thought Kat was being really like I, I didn't believe that she'd be that upset about it still. Yeah, um
0: I I would agree with that. I I think they're going out of their way to make Cat unlikable, and I don't really care for that. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I am, and I don't know why.
1: Like, what purpose does it serve? Yeah. I don't see. I don't. Why.
0: I, I don't get it either. Um, I and I and I also don't like that they are. I think I I feel like this has been the second episode in a row that they've sort of played her for laughs. And Mm -hmm. I think what worked for Kat in the beginning of the season was that she was kind of a force to be reckoned with, but she was like this human baguette. You know, she was hard on the outside, soft on the inside. (laughs) You know, like she... Human baguette. I love it. She was uh, a, um, a, a riddle that was wrapped up, but you could kind of try to figure her out because her character was interesting. And now I kind of feel like... They're just playing her as one thing, and I, I I didn't very, and I also kind of thought they were sort of making fun of her a little bit because yeah, one of the pieces of dialogue she says, "I see the real you, and I cannot unsee it," and I was like, oh, "Okay, well now you're just rubbing it in her face." Right. So that stuff, I I would agree with you that the cat coat, even though it was fun to see Melissa Benoist to get get to sort of have another crack at Martian Manhunter, her yeah, her performance and, was great. Yeah, but, I mean the yeah. con the comedy bits in that were 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 good and I, I think it was interesting for Jean to understand what Kara's cat co life is like. I think that's sort of important for him as a character to understand right. that when she's not at the DEO, this is what her life is. Right. But I would agree with you that maybe utilizing the other parts of the episode more would have been beneficial because I, when you were talking about that, I was like, you know, I would have wanted to see more of Alex on Krypton. Yeah. I would I would have wanted to see more of her experience in alien things or uh, maybe meeting some interesting people or part of Kara's family like that could have been really interesting or like you were talking about the the team sort of floundering Without her, you know, having to kind of pick themselves back up a little more or failing at things that they can't do because Supergirl's not there, um, you know, that could have been interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I guess they needed to show that it was important that Kara's normal life was preserved. But I, I would agree with you. I think the CatCo stuff, it, it really like, dragged it down for me.
1: It's and, and it's so funny because there's so many other solutions to that problem. Like, Car, you know when like was like floundering over this like lice explanation when all he had to say was oh yeah she's sick she she managed to get a hold of me but the solar flares phones like she she couldn't call in but she's sick <laughs> yeah like that's all you have to say like that's all you have to say or if the DEO wants to protect you know her i mean the DEO has resources they can make up some story about how she's like the witness to a crime or something and like she has to be in and whatever like you know, uh, basically there's a million ways around Martian Manhunter having to go in and pretend to be Kara. Like, and yeah, so I thought that was totally unnecessary. But in relation to what you just said about Alex and seeing more of her on Krypton, I think that's interesting because I agree with you that I wish I would have seen more of that. And I also think that as a DEO agent, like she's capable of being a spy. Like she's capable of undercover work. And the fact that she just kind of charged in knowing that, you know, Kara is attached to this plant where, like, forcible separation could kill her. And yet she's charging in being like, Kara, you have to remember. Like, you know, I figured she'd have more finesse than that and maybe show up and, like, have a some kind of a story in place until she could get her alone and maybe pull her to the side and be like, hey, I'm here. I have something to tell you. Instead of just, like, blowing up at, you know, kind of making it more traumatic for her. You know, like, like, why would you charge in knowing that This is a very delicate, like, mind thing to overcome.
0: That's funny that you should mention that she could have been more like a spy because Allura says she was an alien spy, (laughs) which sort of made me laugh. Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) But uh, she was referred to as a a spy, so... I, I think that could have been really. If she was, she was a bad one. She, she just kind of charged in and was like, "Hey, you need to come out of here." She didn't uh, disguise herself very well, or <laughs> there was no, or, or, there was no um, cover that she put on. Um, even though I thought it was great that she made this big plea, this emotional plea at the at the end of the, yeah, yeah. the 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 moments on Krypton, and I thought it was really well done. That the more she kind of pleaded with Kara, and the more she talked about how, you know, pain and loss are part of what made her a hero and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that is so great. This dialogue is great. Kyler's performance is great. And, yeah. you know, it builds to this point where Krypton starts shaking. And mm-hmm. I had two thoughts about that. I was like, it you know, was Krypton going to have a demise anyway in the stream world, you know, just like it always does? <laughs> or was it starting to crumble because Kara's uh, fantasy was crumbling. And I, yeah. I I liked the way that it kind of played on both of those levels. So mm-hmm. I, I really liked, even though maybe Alex didn't play that as well as maybe she could have as a DEO right. agent. I did like that it was an emotional thing for Alex and she was put under a lot of duress. She was handcuffed, you know, however you want to say Th- what the handcuffs were on Krypton, I don't know what they called those. Yeah, um, yeah. And she was she was sentenced to the Phantom Zone, like she was mm-hmm. treated as a criminal. And I liked that Alora was the adjudicator in that situation. I thought that was very character correct for her to do that. Um, but I, I, I definitely even <laughs> even if Alex maybe didn't play it with some finesse and um, some uh, the capability of a spy, I thought the the scenes were very emotional, had a lot of weight to them.
1: Yeah, no, and I loved Kyler Lee's performance. Like, throughout the episode, I mean, she's just always great, but, like, in this perform- in, in this episode especially, I thought Melissa Benoist was so strong, and I thought Kyler Lee was so strong, you know, to match her. I agree, that scene was, was it really had a lot of weight, um, which is surprising considering that it just kind of, like, happened real fast. Yeah. Like, there was no build-up to it. It just, like, you know, and, and so that goes to show how good, Uh, Kyler Lee's performance was that we were able to have that emotional connection to that scene, despite the fact that it wasn't really earned on a script level, I don't think. But also something that I, I was just thinking about, because this is all in Kara's mind. So, like, it's not like Alex is actually going to the Phantom Zone. Right. And unless Kara is thinking about the Phantom Zone, like, there is no Phantom Zone. So, like, what would have happened to Alex if Alex would have just been like, all right, send me the Phantom Zone. Like, what's – (laughs) like, can you picture the Phantom Zone right now? Because otherwise, there's no Phantom Zone. If I Like, if I walk out of this room and you're not thinking about it, is the room there? Did you ever notice that, like – and actually something that I thought was really cool from a um, camera work perspective – was the way that they shot like first, you know, Alura and uh, and what's uh, Kara's father's name again? Zorl. Uh, Zorl. Sorry, I'm like blanking. Zorel and Alura are like in her room one minute, then they're in the hall the next. Yeah. Then they're in like you never see them walking anywhere, and it's like I kind of wanted Alex to be like, doesn't it seem weird to you that all of a sudden we're here? Do you
0: remember walking here? It was a great way to show projections of what she was thinking or what she wanted to think. Right, right. Like, um, like, yeah, if, like as soon as she sees that thing that she talks about, you know, her mother wearing, like all of a sudden her mother appears and is there in the room with her.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And uh, you know, I just think it's. Like, I feel like they didn't quite use the the fact that this is all in Kara's head well enough, in in, in my opinion. Um, just because like. I, not that they didn't use it well enough, but that they could have done more is Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. Like they could have kind of addressed certain things that kind of went unaddressed, but be that as it may. um, So now we've got Kara willingly throwing off the shackles of her fantasy um, coming back to us. And I have to say that moment where she wakes up and she has that look on her face. It is like ice cold. (laughs) And she is like, who did this to me? And they say non, and my first thought was like, oh, non better run. Yep. <laughs> non better run. Trouble is coming she's... for him.
0: Oh, well, that, and, that
1: look was like worth an Emmy. <laughs> and that
0: that is typical of Superman in this story, and for the man who has everything in the comic and in the JLU episode, that when he gets out of that Black Mercy, Mongol is in trouble with a capital <laughs> T. Um, so I liked that Supergirl was allowed to be just as angry as Superman yeah. in that story and she wailed
1: on non mm-hmm. like i kind of loved watching that cuz he's su- he's such a smug little jerk and i love i loved watching her just beat the tar out of him like just pummeling him and uh cuz he totally deserves it and but yeah what did you think about that the resolution of that side of the story
0: yeah i have really started to like non uh, in terms of being a villain, I think <laughs> I like that he's a smug uh, son of a gun. I, I enjoy right. I enjoy that about him. Um, mm-hmm. But I was upset that Astra has left us so soon. I was hoping that she would stick around for longer because I, I think there could have been a lot that they could have played where maybe non betrayed or or either one Astra could have betrayed non. When maybe she did a little bit in this episode. Well, she where, did, yeah. Where where she helped Alex. And she lied to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I, I sort of was disappointed with that. But I, I did like that they had this parallel – they had parallel fights going on. Yes. Where it was Supergirl versus non and then Astra versus, uh, versus Martian Manhunter. Even though they didn't really fully explain – and I guess you don't need to – where Astra knows about the Martians, the Green Martians. Um, she sort of alluded to the fact that she knew who he was, what his, uh, you know, race of people was about, you know, what their story was that, you know, he should have not existed. Um, so well, I feel if, if Krypton knows about Earth, they they would know about Mars. I mean,
1: it's not like it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Krypton in, you know, they're keeping an eye on us. Why wouldn't they be keeping an eye on Mars and Venus and all the other planets in our solar system? Well, that, too? That's
0: very true. And I sort of like that. Maybe there's some history that maybe later on down the road, if we get several seasons, they could mine that for some story that maybe the Kryptonians and the Martians, uh, had something to do with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's something that you could go back in and, and play with later. Um, even though I kind of <laughs> thought it was strange that Astra would just immediately want it to kill him. But, uh, right. but that was an interesting way to play it in terms of having both of those fights go on at the same time. And I, I know we should probably talk about what happens at the end of yes. the Martian Manhunter Astra scenario. Um, what, did you, what did you think about how that ends with Alex and, and what she does to save John? Yes,
1: well, because um, uh, I am, I am one hundred percent hashtag team Alex. Like I love <laughs> Alex. Um, I see why she. Because okay, we're not gonna. I mean, it's not like people listening to this know what happened. So <laughs> she killed Astra with a Kryptonian, like, or with a. Uh, Kryptonite machete, basically. She's like, you know, while Astra is fighting Martian Manhunter, it looks like Astra might sort of have the upper hand on Martian Manhunter at one point. And so Alex comes up from behind her and just jabs the the Kryptonite machete into Astra um, and kills her. And I understand why she did what she did. Like you know, it's it's interesting too that she has to save Martian Manhunter, who's like one of the most all so powerful, so <laughs> powerful. Um, and yet, you know, he's fighting a Kryptonian, and he needs like her to help. Like that—that's the only thing that I thought was a little bit off there. Um, I felt like they kind of forced forced it on Alex where it yeah. didn't need to be. But be that as it may, because you know, even superpowered beings need help sometimes. Like you know, Superman has needed help and whatever. Sure. So. You know, I I understand why Alex stepped in. What I don't understand is the need to not have Alex tell Kara that that's what happened. Um, Because the thing is, like, I feel like if, if Kara knew, she would understand that while, yeah, it sucks that she had to kill her aunt, it's understandable that this happened in the heat of a fight. Um, and the fact that, like, Hank is taking the blame for it, like, Kara isn't necessarily going to look differently at Hank, you know? And she she loves and respects him. Um, she's come to, to appreciate him more. Like, uh, so I don't think, I think they're not giving Kara enough credit for being able to kind of separate that out. Then again, you know, Kara doing certain things over the course of the season, she might not warrant that kind of credit. But... <laughs> um, after all of that happens, and Alex and uh, Hank are back at the DEO talking about it, and she asks him, "Why did you cover for me?" And he says, "Because you're Supergirl's hero."
0: Right.
1: But then he also says, "Like, we're not heroes. We're soldiers, and this is what soldiers do." So, like, first of all, are soldiers heroes or not. Secondly, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, <laughs> you know, like, like, what do you like? What? what does the word hero mean to Hank that he's using it in two completely different ways? And so I thought that was all really unclear. Just the motivation behind keeping it a secret from Kara doesn't make sense to me.
0: I sort of get what they were trying to say about how Hank wanted to protect Kara's view of her sister. But I agree with you. I don't think she's going to look at Jean any differently. And I think she would understand that Astra killing Jean would have warranted some protection. I think, I think Supergirl would have understood that. And I think Supergirl would even understand the temptation to do something to Astra because she had faced that temptation in a previous episode where she almost uh, killed Astra herself when she had yeah. Astra down. And she, for a second, I thought she was going to kill Nam, honestly. Yeah. Like,
1: I was- The way she was, she was, you know, kicking the crap out of him. I was waiting for her to, like, go that one step too far.
0: The only thing that I think maybe you could, you know, do to justify that part of it is that when Kara comes out of the dream world and she's had this realization that Astra was in her family on the dream world and was part of that for her her fantasy, that that Astra meant more to her because mm-hmm. of that, in that moment, yeah, yeah. Uh, because she, you know, she even has that moment with her, but right before Astra dies, which was really nice that she says, you know, you were my family, you weren't my enemy on on, on Krypton in that dream, you were my family. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I think I think Kara would eventually, maybe she'd be upset about it for an episode or two. Of course, yeah. But, but I, I think, mean, but I think she would ultimately understand that when things come. To blows like this, that Alex in that moment made a decision to protect Jean and Astra was, go- she was going to kill him. Um, right. So I-, I do think it's kind of unfair to put Alex in this situation. Um, but my bigger problem that really caused some confusion for me with this whole scenario was that I don't understand fully how the kryptonite sword affected Astra. Because didn't they make a huge deal, like, I don't know what episode it was, but back in maybe, maybe the, the old year of 2015, um, <laughs> uh, a couple of episodes ago, when the Kryptonians kind of figured out that Kryptonite was a thing? and uh, Hank Henshaw had used a kryptonite knife on her, and so they made those things that went on their uniforms. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, she so wasn't like, wearing one. Oh, why would was she w- be wearing one? Yeah. Because
0: like, it's that, like, bright blue,
1: that blue thing, like, that I, they had on to, like, yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you bring that with you?
0: <laughs> I thought she, I thought they had shown them throughout the episode with them on. Maybe she didn't have it on in the moment, but I was just like, that seems a little convenient that yeah. when she's not wearing this protection from kryptonite, she's stabbed in the back with this huge kryptonite sword. Yeah, so yeah. I, I was very confused I agree with that, as, yeah. to, as to how the kryptonite sword affected her in that way. Because otherwise, I would assume, like, if she had the protection, like, maybe Alex could still s- – see, I don't even think Alex – This see, now, this is really nerdy breaking it down for no reason. Oh, yeah, no. Would, yeah. would she even be able to stab her? Yes. Like, would it even, would it even, would it break, even break the break skin? skin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what we're getting into now. Um, oh, I pull was, up a chair, kids. Yeah. Pull up a chair. I was even debating uh, Kara's hair with somebody the other day because I have a friend who just started watching Supergirl. Shout out to my friend Christy. Um, and she was talking about how, you know, Supergirl's hair, you know, is not <laughs> a f- really, you know, she was joking that it's not affected by being windblown when she flies, and I was like, "Well, Kryptonian hair is pretty strong, you know. They, right. You know that's why Superman has to yes. use his heat vision in the the mirror to shave his face because you know Kryptonian hair is very strong. Um it's true, and that's why that curly cue never moves in front of his, his forehead. That's, that's it's right, always there. That S curl. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, was present on the Dream World in Krypton with uh, little kal Um Yeah, but yeah, so the whole like Kryptonite sword piercing the skin, I don't know how that works. So I, I had more of a problem with that little nitpicky part of it than I did about what Alex did. Um, Right. And the whole like lying about it and stuff. I'm just like, I know that's there to create drama. And I'm sure it will come back into play at some point. Like, I guess, Kara on down the line will find out that Alex was the one who killed Astra. Right, and, and then wonder- it's
1: like, oh, crap, why didn't you tell... But then yeah. then she's going to be mad about, why didn't you tell me sooner? Like, <laughs> that's always the thing. It's yeah. like, it's never it's never the thing itself. It's always the lie about the thing. Exactly. That gets people upset. It's like, if you would have just been upfront from the get-go, this wouldn't even be a problem.
0: Right, and that's why you should always... Try to tell the truth first, kids. Yes, um, kids, Honesty kids is always the best policy, even if it hurts. It's always, it's always uh, take it from me. My personal pol- policy is try to be honest and open about stuff. Um, but I think they foreshadowed maybe, um, and this is what I took away from it, that kind of trouble was coming for Kara and Alex because when Alex goes to Kara's apartment – she drops a picture of the two of them in a picture frame and breaks the glass. Yes. And it's kind of been my... Their relationship's shattering. Yes. So that seemed to be some heavy... uh, That seemed to be a heavy (laughs) metaphor for uh, something coming. Um, But P.S., I thought it was awesome when Alex and James and Wynn go over to Car's apartment and James James is like... Do you have a key? And Alex was like, "Nope." And she, she kicked the door in. I was like, "That's what I'm talking about." Um, although I don't really buy that your sister does not have a key to your apartment. Yeah. Um, well, I- also,
1: see, I'm confused. Do they live together or not? Because like they're they're always both in that apartment. I assume they live together.
0: I guess not. I guess Alex Unless she to didn't to have her out. key with
1: her. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's weird because, like, you never see Alex's quote apartment. Yeah. I okay. just assumed that they live together as sisters because they're always there together. So I was like, oh, why does she not
0: live there? <laughs> why wouldn't you live in that awesome apartment? I wouldn't want right? to live It's, there. it's yeah. huge. I don't it's, know.
1: There's plenty of space. Um, but P.S., speaking of ha- just going back to the hair for a second, uh, <laughs> this, Car- is, this is what the podcast is for talk about very- the in hair. Very important, but no, but the uh, her Kryptonian hair was on point at the end of her time on Krypton. (laughs) Yes. That hair looked gorgeous, and I just have to point that out, because, like, those curls were working on her, and I was just like, oh, what? The, 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 The hair department really outdid themselves, so kudos to the Supergirl hair department for making Melissa Benoit's hair on point.
0: I'm usually not somebody who focuses on the superficiality, of things like this, I try to you know analyze the story and everything. But I oh, did, see, I'm totally superficial. I don't even care about any of that. No, but I'm but well, and, well, I'm I'm about to say I, I was kind of thinking uh, in a superficial way in this episode regarding that because I I did think Melissa Benoist looked beautiful. I thought that white dress that she had on oh, was yeah. was gorgeous. I th- and it sort of reminded me of um, something from the Sterling Gates book books. I think when Kara. Has that, you know, the Council Day or whatever they call that. I'd I'd have to go back and look that up. But when she's kind of inducted into the Science Council or whatever. Oh, Guild Day. The Guild Day. That's what it is. I need to reread those books, clearly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the Guild Day. I think that's when it is when she... Uh, has the white dress on with the S and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. the, I, it's my opinion. I'm speculating. But I think they lifted that maybe a little bit from those books because uh, that looked very familiar to me. Yeah, um, yeah. But I i thought the clothing on Krypton was great, and I, I, th- I thought it was interesting that, um, and I'm glad that you pointed this out, because Kara, I think, was intentionally supposed to look different on Krypton, um, mm-hmm. that there would be styles that would be different from what she's used to on Earth, right. I mean, we don't see her on Earth with those curls. We don't yeah, see. Yeah, she, she never does her hair like that. Yeah, so I, which is it, a damn shame. <laughs> I know she looked great, um, but I think that's a really uh, cool thing to point out because there were, you know, the culture was different, and and mm-hmm. things would be different if she grew up in a different environment. So uh, oh, I, well, I liked getting to see that.
1: It's true, no, I, and I love the Kryptonian uh, design, the clothes, the hair, the the design of the their home. Um, but I have to say, <laughs> I don't understand the insistence on having the House of L symbol on all of their clothing. It's like, <laughs> and I put this on my Mary Sue review, but I was like, that's like our whole family sews our name into our underwear. Like, <laughs> what do we need? Like our family name on everything, on every shirt, every dress, every whatever. And it's like. I guess that's, you know, cultural. Maybe everyone on Krypton, you know, has their family name on their clothes, but it's just weird to me. Because just wear a shirt, like a shirt without your family's name on it.
0: Well, how else Um, are they going to know who they are?
1: Yeah, right? Like, like you need everybody to know whose family you're in, I guess. It's that important. Well, but
0: like. why did Laverne and Laverne and Shirley have the L on every shirt <laughs> <Right>? she wore? Because <laughs> she liked it. Because that's the way she wanted it.
1: Yeah, but um, that's her. That's not her whole family. That'd that's would be like her whole family true. had sweaters
0: with L's on them. That would be weird. <laughs> that would um, be a little weird. It was weird like, enough that she did it.
1: I know, it's true. Well, yeah, because I was just thinking, like, what if, you know, I went to to visit my family in New York and, like, we're all wearing Jacino shirts? Like, that's not going <laughs> to happen. Um, but anyway, I, I guess it's a cultural thing. I'll never understand Kryptonians, and that's okay. <laughs> um, so overall thoughts, what did you think of the episode as a whole?
0: Well, I came away from this episode an even bigger Alex Danvers fan. I... I am still mourning the loss of Cat Grant as my favorite character because I don't know what the heck they're doing with her they are just um shooting her in the foot like they, it's I don't know why they're just butchering her for some reason that i I don't I don't totally understand um but I had a new opening for a favorite character on the show and Alex Danvers just totally stole the show for me this week and I I'm a huge Alex Danvers. I mean, you know, I always liked her, but now I'm like full-blown Alex Danvers fanatic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I thought this was Kyler Lee's episode. I know this episode was about Supergirl and her fantasy on her dream Krypton and kind of getting to experience that and everything, um, and even her loss with Astra and all of that. That's very Supergirl-centric, but I thought Alex, th- this this was her episode, and I really liked getting to see how far she was willing to go for her sister. And I, I know we kind of briefly talked about that speech that she gives where she's like really vulnerable and really brutally honest with the Alora AI at the DEO. And she just... yeah She talks about how I used to resent her for coming into my home, for following yeah. me around at school and, and embarrassing me in front of my friends. Like she was honest in a way that made so much sense for her character. And I felt it was very organic because for a young girl like that, to have so much responsibility and to have this person that she didn't expect to come into her life, um, depend on her and, you know, she, she felt like she had to protect her. And now, now she's this grown woman and she has accepted that responsibility and she's embraced it and she's willing to go, as far as humanly possible. Now she's not an alien, but as far as humanly possible, as she can go to save her sister. And to me, that speaks volumes. And I think Alex um, is the character that I can most, I guess, closely relate to on this show. Like I, can, I'm not Supergirl. I can't, I can't <laughs> fly. I'm not. You know, I don't have Melissa Benoist looks. I'm not Cat Grant. I'm not on that level of. Uh, sophistication and you know success and wealth and all of that kind of thing and uh, I can't identify with James well I mean photography maybe but you know I uh, am not as smart as when like they're you know their characters Hank there's no way I could even compete with Hank <laughs> but, with, but with Alex I, I I think she's a character I can kind of grab onto because she is a human because she is someone who looks out for other people and kind of Always um, tries to be there for other people, and I, I really liked getting to see the essence of who Alex Danvers is. I mean, all season long, we've taught, we've talked about, and seen that she is Kara's big sister, and that she, that's her role. But this this episode, I felt like we really, really, really saw that, and I um, I just was so blown away by Alex and, and Kyler's performance in this episode, and uh, it just uh, made me an even bigger Alex fan than I already was.
1: I enjoyed the episode. I mean, it was a lot of fun um, uh, kind of getting to see the Krypton side of things, watching Kara experience that. The fact that it was such a, you know, sister-centric story was was great. I didn't think it was 100% successful. I mean, I, I brought up some of my problems already, like, you know, uh, some kind of scenes that it didn't need to be there or things they could have worked out a bit differently. But overall, I definitely liked it. And I love the focus on the fact that Kara has recognized that she has a family on Earth. Mm-hmm. I think that was like the big takeaway, which I loved. And that that final scene, I agree with you, was so great. Just like the, you know, Wynne and James being there, you know, with the food and the movie. And I loved when um commended her for saying there's no place like home and yeah. he's like you're quoting movies now like that's and you forget that she's an alien until you realize she she's like that the wizard of oz is a new experience for her yeah,
0: like
1: yeah. yeah so i i loved the the focus on on family in this episode and what it really means um because there's the the i the ideal version of family like what what family should be and then there's who your family actually is and and you know a lot of you know for a lot of people the family that they were born into unless you're very lucky um you know I happen to to love my family um, and I'm sure you do as well oh, totally um but like for a lot of people the family they' were born into is not the family that they would have picked um you know, there's there's all sorts of things. But you can also choose your family. Right. And I think that's an important message, too. Like, your friends, your, you know, the people that you choose to be close to, uh, they can be your family if you let them. And I love that that's how – that's the note that Supergirl ended on this time was that um, Kara might not have Krypton, but she has this family that she chose um, that loves her and, and they look out for each other and they serve all the same functions of a family. Right. So those are my thoughts. Um and that kind of does it for our discussion. But as always, let's check out what our listeners had to say about "For the Girl Who Has Everything."
0: At M. Stan tweeted, "It had everything: Krypton, <laughs> Kal El, Supergirl kicking butt, and lots of Martian Manhunter." Yeah, we actually got to see him full gear in the cape, um, which was awesome. In a fight scene. In a yeah, fight like- scene. Yeah. So we got we got lots of Martian Manhunter. <laughs> so M. M. Stan tweeted, "It was totally epic." Uh, at Indigo Blue 171 tweeted favorite episode so far. Great character development, effects, and action. Ten out of ten. At is high on life tweeted. I would like to see a Supergirl Red Kryptonite episode. So, ooh, yeah, interesting. yeah. So this uh, this kind of makes you want to see some not like Elseworld stories, but kind of alternate what would it do to Kara episodes kind of a thing. So I, I think that would probably, I, I don't see any why, reason they wouldn't do that. I think probably Red Kryptonite uh, will come at some point if we get lots more episodes. Yeah, season two. Yeah. Season two. We've already got Green Kryptonite. Red Kryptonite could be coming. At Ben Ledang tweeted, I really loved this episode. It was extremely moving and I almost cried for Supergirl. Best episode ever. At B-Man 923 tweeted, I loved this episode. Melissa killed it as Hank pretending to be Kara. She is so good. Uh, At Child Golden tweeted, I thought for the girl who has everything was an amazing episode. You could feel a lot of anguish from the characters. At Film Fan 23 tweeted, Best episode yet, while also emphasizing one of the greatest aspects of the show, Kara and Alex's great sisterly relationship. And I agree with that. And to be totally honest, I wish... It was it was like more of a focus on the show. I think what makes like the Adventures of Supergirl comics so successful is that it's like the main focus of the the stories that we've gotten so far with the two issues. So I am glad to see that this episode really focused on them. Yeah, I
1: have to say, uh, too, I'm also looking forward to um, uh, Kara possibly making more female friends. Um, cause obviously she has James and Wynn and they're great, but they're also like, they're tied up kind of in that romance stuff as well. Like that's going to be hard to shake, but like, I would love to see her get closer to Lucy. I would love to see her like, you know, there to be another woman, you know, obviously not to replace Alex, but just another like female bestie that she could have on her side to like talk about stuff with. And the one maybe who doesn't know about Supergirl, who only knows her as Kara and is her friend.
0: We might have a listener email about that. At Dwayne LB tweeted, loved Alex's growth. Hate how cat has been played as one note. Uh, but we got to see Martian Manhunter again. Uh, Dwayne LB also tweeted, the DEO's open door policy continues to drive me crazy. Um, that was another thing in the episode where I was like, okay, they I think they need to address this. Because it's happened a couple of times on the show. It's been a question for me in Adventures of Supergirl. Do people at the DEO know that Kara is Supergirl? Do they know because Kara has walked around the DEO as Kara Danvers, and Alex talks to Supergirl as Kara, and sometimes references like my sister and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I th- they must have like a s- really great confidentiality agreement. Yeah, the DEO agents cannot talk what what stays at the DEO is is not to be talked about it you know what is talked about at the deo stays at the deo so yeah i i think it's very strange how that seems to keep happening but nobody talks about it part of me and you know in relation to where alex
1: lives i kind of feel like they all live at the deo like i don't (laughs) i don't imagine them having any other apartments so like they probably just have you know home facilities somewhere else they just never leave so they can't talk to anybody
0: at Madtown Davidson tweeted, I thought that was the best episode of the series so far. Very good episode for Kyler Lee and Melissa Benoist. At Vivi underscore Nguiar underscore 18 tweeted, the Loving Award goes to the Danvers sisters. Aww. At M. Miller Tech View tweeted, the feels on the bus go round and round. Also, character interactions were amazing. And lots of characters, too. Yeah, there were actually a lot of characters popping up in this episode um from earth to krypton and everywhere um at bruins 3725 tweeted blew me away kyler lee and melissa benoist were so good the entire cast was the emotion was so real for me it was incredible so i i think all of our our listeners seem to enjoy this one
1: and now into our emails and yes i see the email that you're talking about um, we have an email from a listener named Derek who wrote quote I was overly excited when I saw that Supergirl and the Flash will be crossing over. I enjoy the podcast and hope to see a crossover podcast with the Flash podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe something can be worked out. I don't know.
0: I think maybe it's safe to say that we've already been discussing it. Um, <laughs> I don't know the details as of yet. You know, we'll we'll kind of plan some things out, but. I think uh, Andy over at The Flash Podcast, and I know I particularly want to make this a big deal um, because it is a huge deal. So uh, we'll definitely have some sort of podcasting event. I'm not sure what that entails, what the details are yet. But just expect a podcast crossover episode of some kind, and it will be amazing.
1: Stay tuned.
0: Yes. Well, speaking of the Flash and uh, people who run fast, we got an email from a listener named Mike all the way across the pond in Britain who writes, quote, I was wondering if if you think we'll ever see Supergirl use her super speed to run fast. We haven't seen it yet, but both she and Superman are known in the comics to have speedster abilities almost like the Flash, unquote. And that's a good point. Like, we don't see... We see her speed with her flight ability, but we never see her run very quickly, I don't think. And even when she's punching people, it's not like in a quick, like, you know, in Man of Steel when Feyora is fighting in Smallville, she's very fast and kind of moves at a very quick pace and quick motions and things like that. But you don't see that as much on Supergirl. So uh, that's a good question. I would assume that she would be able to do that, but I don't know that we've seen it so much. It's funny cuz
1: I have talked to so many people and like that's always the thing that comes up is are they going to race? Like in the in the in the flash, you know, uh Supergirl crossover. And I wouldn't be surprised if they alluded to that at some point like cuz in in the comics they they have a uh, a race uh to see who's who's faster once and for all. Um and I think it's like for charity as well. Um
0: yeah.
1: but like yeah, I'm I'm sure they'll at least allude to that uh during the crossover if nothing else. Um maybe we'll see a little fun race at the end of the episode or something. Who knows? Mike also asked, uh, quote, what do you think the ramifications would be of this, i.e. another Supergirl and maybe even Superman both in the Flarrow universe? Oh, got, uh, gotcha. Um, so he wants to know like, what would the ramifications of Supergirl being a speedster be?
0: Um, or just the existence of Supergirl and Superman in the Flaro universe. They, yeah. don't, they don't currently exist as far as we know because we've never heard the flash or you know the green arrow reference them in the flare or the i guess it's the legends of flaro universe <laughs> yeah. all three of, those, the
1: legends of uh,
0: i think that's what andy b calls it um so i think and soon it's going to be the legends of flaro girl yeah um. <laughs> yeah Which sounds like
1: a really bad children's book.
0: (laughs) So I I think the fact that we haven't really fully, although I think in the Legends of Tomorrow pilot, they sort of allude to the Men of Steel, um, but we've never specifically heard them talk about a Superman or a Supergirl. Um, So that, I mean, that kind of opens the door to possibilities now that the Flash is exploring Earth 2 situations Um because if maybe the super kryptonians don't exist in earth one maybe the flash goes to earth something or other and finds supergirl so it it could be that um that might be the best way to handle it because then you don't have to later on address on arrow or the flash or on legends of tomorrow like, why don't they call Supergirls? Yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean even though that never really like is a big deal for me personally i 'm like yeah but it's it 's a green arrow story, like green arrow handle it um, but I mean, if you wanted to justify it in that way, I think you could make it a different earth, and it would be fine
1: totally yeah and and even still like because they've it 's not like they 've had a need for a Superman or supergirl or or Batman or anything on these shows to begin with, so even if it's still even if this means that the shows are all in universe and it, it is Melissa Benoit's supergirl. Uh, who is Supergirl in the actual Flareoverse? I, I think that's fine, and and we don't ever need to see her or or hear from her on those shows. Um, we just know she's out there. We know right. she's 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 holding it down in National City, and that's what she does. Right. And. You know, I, I think that's perfectly fine as well.
0: Our last email comes from a listener named Megan who wrote in saying, quote, I was listening to your podcast about the Bizarro episode and about how Kara needs another female friend to gossip with.
1: Yep. Um, <laughs> this is very, a very important thing for me. <laughs> we,
0: we are really de- digging deep into the, the podcast this week on the all-important topics. Um, uh, so Megan asks, what do you guys think about having either Miss Martian or Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl on the show? unquote and we've sort of kind of talked about this on previous episodes but uh, i mean i would be totally open to it i think miss martian is a character you could easily work in i don't, I well, don't yeah i mean that's that's something that could come out of martian manhunter storyline um and that could totally happen and i would like to see her team up with another female hero that would yeah. be exciting and the only thing about barbara gordon Um, Even though Batgirl and Supergirl have a history in the comics and on the animated stuff that they are friends, I don't know if Barbara Gordon is a possibility because maybe the movies want to use her or something like that. Um, and I've I've seen it kind of... Or Gotham
1: wants or, to use her. Or
0: Gotham, uh, something like that. Uh, so I've seen people throw around, well, what if you kind of make Black Canary from Arrow the Batgirl equivalent? And I would totally 100% be up for that because they're not really doing anything with Laurel on Arrow anyway, much to my disappointment. So I would be totally up for... Black Canary and Supergirl hanging out together if, you know, depending on how they do the worlds and how they do the in-universe stuff and how they connect them, uh, you know, that becomes a whole other complicated issue. But it would be really neat to see how Black Black Canary and, and Supergirl get along or don't get along because Black Canary's canary cry can make Kryptonian ears bleed. So um, I personally think that's a pretty cool story myself. But yeah. – uh, but I would definitely be up for Batgirl. I think Batgirl would be really fun. Um, but, I mean, there's all sorts of uh, possibilities. I mean, you could bring any number of female characters on the show. I would love to see, I don't I don't know how you could do this, depending on the Wonder Woman movie, but I would love to see Wonder Girl show up yeah. on Supergirl. I would love to either see Cassie or Donna Troy, uh, depending who, on who's available. I think they would be awesome. Um, I don't know if you could bring in, like, somebody of magical prowess like zatanna or something like that but i i think it would be really fun to see Kara have another friend who is a girl who has similar problems that she does (laughs) in terms of in terms of being a woman and a uh, a woman with some sort of skill set on the super level yeah,
1: and a young woman like yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. a peer of that with that stuff going on. Um not to get too into it uh, about um you know the uh the other flareover shows, but um it's funny like talking about Barbara Gordon, it makes me think of Felicity and how they were talking about like you know she gets a code name now <clears throat> and they're like we we're going to call you Oracle but that's taken. So clearly there is a Barbara Gordon in that universe. But not necessarily, and and who's already Oracle. Uh, So what that means for Supergirl, I don't know. Um, But it does kind of suggest that in that universe, there is a Barbara Gordon, she is Oracle, and she's out there somewhere doing something.
0: Well, thank you all for sharing your thoughts. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify. So check out our playlist. And thanks to to all the listeners who have been collaborating and adding songs in there before I can even put them in. So That's that's awesome. Uh, Totally take charge. This is your playlist. If you have things that you want to put in there and listen to, feel free to add to the Supergirl Radio Spotify playlist.
1: And as uh, always, we are v- available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a
0: review. That helps us make the podcast that you want to hear. <laughs> and we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even the upcoming DC movies, we have a podcast for that. So subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook.
1: And as for me, you can always find uh, my big hub on the internet is my website. That's Uh You can find me writing every day at The Mary Sue right now. That's TheMarySue.com. Uh, and you can also find me on Patreon. Um, that is com slash
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at derbykid. that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Now, if you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section
1: about the next episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after the theme music, but... Until
0: next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. If you ever have bad dreams, just remember...
1: All nightmares end the longer we're awake. Um, we don't have a new promo to listen to for the next episode of Supergirl because it doesn't air until February 22nd. So we're going to have to uh, wait uh, a week before we get the next episode. But we do have a title, and it's called Truth, Justice, and the American
0: Way. The official description says, quote, Supergirl does battle with a deadly master jailer played by Jeff Branson who is hunting and executing escaped Fort Ross prisoners. Also, Kat hires a second assistant, uh, Siobhan Smythe, played by Italia Ricci, who immediately tries to one up Kara and Kara and James disagree over the DEO's methods, unquote. So (laughs) a lot going in this episode, apparently. So what in the description, Teresa excites you the most?
1: Well, I'm excited, first of all, at the uh, mention of Master Jailer. And it's funny because I thought of uh, Master Jailer and Indigo, who is the character that Laura Vandervoort is going to be playing uh, on the show, um, as kind of joined together. So I was like, oh, I figured they'd be in the same episode. But it looks like Master Jailer is going to be kind of tracking several Fort Ross prisoners so Siobhan is probably one of the, the uh, or the first kind of Fort Ross prisoner that he's going to be going after. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that and kind of a new antagonist for Supergirl. Because, um, you know, obviously Supergirl is trying to stop all the Fort Ross criminals and, and stop bad guys and all that. But I feel like Master Jailer, you know, going around killing them in order to preserve justice is a very different approach than what... Supergirl would want. So right. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the beginnings of that and how she might have to deal with him over the course of maybe the rest of the season.
0: I had not thought about that until you just mentioned it that Siobhan, a Silver Banshee might be a Fort Ross inmate. Uh just because I just sort of assumed that maybe like her comic book counterpart she might just get taken over by uh, the spirits of her ancestors or whatever. Um, but thinking about her as a Fort Ross inmate isn't actually, that's an that's an interesting thought I had not considered. So um, that could be very possible. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> I'm i curious and maybe not so curious. Maybe I'm sort of dreading it about the CatCo stuff because I don't know how that's gonna work. I know it's probably gonna be played for a lot of laughs because, you know, Kara sort of just does her assistant thing. Sometimes she tries really hard, but other times Yeah, you know, she
1: clearly she misses a lot of work. Let's yeah, be honest.
0: Yeah. If I were her boss and I didn't know she was supergirl, I'd be pissed. Like <laughs> Yeah, so I'd be I'm I'm very curious as to how good of an assistant Siobhan is. Um does she you know, she it seems like in the description, she tries to one up Kara, so she must be competing for this job. And it, you know, there were a lot of comparisons early on in Supergirl with the pilot, you know, it being very Devil Wears Prada. Well, mm-hmm. this is where it's going to get really Devil Wears oh, Prada totally. <laughs> with the two, the two You're assistants, have, like, the, the Emily Blunt uh, doing and stuff. The, yeah, and the Emily Blunt versus the Anne Hathaway on the show now. So um, that could possibly be uh pretty funny even though i, I i'm still kind of frustrated that cat is being played for laughs this could uh maybe be interesting i think the least thing i the least excited i am over this description is the car and james disagreeing over the deo's methods uh, i don't i don't know that could it could end up being really interesting but i, I think i'm more interested in the master jailer and yeah. the silver banshee part of this episode Totally.
1: And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of over the whole cat being this, like, horrible person, because we've seen how she's not. Yeah. So, like, the fact that in, in the episode we just talked about, you know, you have Hank saying, you know, that woman makes me miss my alien prison, um... You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. Like, Kat has a difficult personality sometimes. But, like, the fact that that's continually the joke, it's like, all right, we, we get it. It's we're, we're done. Like, we know her now. Like, we don't have to keep treating her like this mythical, mean boss. Yeah. Like, we've gotten to know her already. It's too late for that. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um, that's it for the description of next week and some of our our thoughts as to what it could mean. Um, again, the episode doesn't air until February 22nd, so we have a week off. Um, thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back, uh, next time
0: with another episode of Supergirl Radio.